Welcome to Grace Point Church Podcast. We proclaim Christ crucified and uphold him as the only hope for the fallen world. On today's episode, you'll hear from Pastor Fidel Nyekuri. Pastor Fidel is the Associate Pastor at Grace Point Church. Tafakari Tuesday, we meditate on things that matter to us as believers with the aim of growing more and more like Christ Jesus. In this month of September, we focus on the question, how should the church behave? Uh, this is drawn from a scripture passage in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 14 to 15. Paul writes to uh, Timothy for these instructions. He, he tells Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 14 and 15, Although I hope to come to you soon, I'm writing you these instructions so that if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of truth. Yes, the church has been given instructions on how to behave, on how to conduct itself. This is what to, we want to focus on, on some of the things that the church should be doing or should not be doing, how the church should be behaving in this month of September. Karibu sana, and let's tafakari together. Now today and next week, we start off with a topic of church discipline. Church discipline is a way in which the church should conduct itself. And some of the questions that come to mind when we think about church discipline is, is this a practice should be that should be upheld in the church? Or it's one of those awkward, archaic practices. You know, if we say, even if we say, okay, it should be practiced, how should it be done? Growing up in the village myself, the church discipline that was practiced was only when a lady, a girl, got pregnant and then she would be barred from coming to church not only after having been paraded in front of everyone in the church to see. And th- this was a horrible thing for so many reasons. You know, the girl being shamed uh, and, and not getting the root of the problem. And also it meant it a woman's problem. It means the woman's problem. And while, while the man who was responsible for the pregnancy would enjoy life, would go on with life as usual normally and there have been many other bad practices to use that term of church discipline but does this disqualify every form of church discipline no it doesn't now if you've been around for a few years you know that no one is perfect in the church yes we are all saints purchased by the blood of christ jesus But at the same time, we are also sinners. We are still in the flesh and daily, the flesh, the world and the devil are waging war against us. In fact, someone say that if you are looking for a perfect church and you find it, the moment you join that church, it becomes imperfect because you are the one who is imperfect and you make it imperfect. This means that we cannot say there is absolutely no sin or no sinner in our congregation. We read in First John uh, in chapter 1 and verse 8 to 10, 1 John 1, 8 to 10, If we claim to be that sin, 
we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purifies us, purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. You see, we can't claim to be without sin because doing so, we're just lying. In fact, we are making God to be a liar. But having said that, it doesn't mean then that the church, uh, you know, just ignores every sin and lets things go on as normal. Because after all, you know, we're all sinners. No one is perfect. Because uh, in the passages we just read in First 1 John, verse 9 says that if we confess our sins, he, that is God, is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Every believer doesn't remain in sin. Every believer lives a life of repentance, lives a life where, of sanctification, wanting to uh, and growing deliberately, making every effort to become more godly, to become like the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is the normal life of the believer, living a life of repentance and daily casting oneself upon Christ and growing in hating sin and loving Christ and the things that Christ loves. And this is where church discipline comes in. Now, we need to clarify two things, and that is what we'll do today uh, as we think about church discipline. Uh, today we'll think about two things about church discipline, and then next week we'll look at the process of church discipline. First, we need to clarify that church discipline is not necessarily all about excommunication. Church discipline is not necessarily all about excommunication. Excommunication is only the last step. It is the last resort. Church discipline in the basic terms is the correction of every sin. And, and it is part of the normal church life. The correction is part of everything that is done in teaching, in training, in rebuking, and in shaping up the local church members to be more like Christ including the excommunication, removing them from fellowship, those who don't live up to what they profess. In other words, uh, church discipline is and should be part of the normal day-to-day -day fellowship. It's like in a family when you have children, you expect them to live a normal life, you know, and you yourself in that family, you know, disciplining the children and as you show them the way they should go. You'll want the children as they grow up to have some routines and a code of conduct to live by. They should be disciplined in living this way. And when a time comes, they deviate from the code or the standard set in your house, in your home, then there will be consequences. Yet it's clear that even with that, some mistakes only deserve a warning. Others will you know, mean you have a word with the children and others, if you are an African parent like me, they will deserve the road. So think of the church in that way. Discipline isn't all about excommunication. It is part of discipleship, which includes teaching, one anothering, reminding the truths, talking, speaking the truths in love to each other, loving each other, 
It includes every aspect of visitation and hosting and shepherding, encouraging one another, you know, including small group meetings and Bible studies and correcting those who err, who are in error. This is, this is part of discipleship. This is what discipleship is. And uh, correction of sin is part of this process. So church discipline shouldn't be a strange thing. Uh, correction of sin shouldn't be a strange thing. It's something that we should be doing. For example, you know, if you see a married brother hanging out a lot with a certain sister who is not his wife, you, you, you as, as, a, as a believer, as a brother, you want to ask questions. You want to seek clarity and to warn him of the implications of that. Over here, there's this sister who is talking about another sister and the things she's saying are not true. There are many things and you know the truth. Then you want to warn her that what she's saying is not true and she needs to desist from that. She needs to repent of that. This is part of discipline still. Informally though, uh, it's still part of discipline. So as communication, removing someone from Fellowship is not necessary. All that uh, discipline is about. But number two, uh, when it comes to church discipline, the second thing is we need to know what sin to warrant church discipline in a formal way. We need to know what sin to warrant church discipline in a formal way. Not every sin warrants a formal church discipline. Not every sin warrants excommunication. You need to look at the nature and the gravity of that sin. You know, it's not like kuna dhambi ndogo na kuna dhambi kubwa. But what I mean is this. There is definitely a pattern of some sins that don't show any evidence that one is a believer who is being sanctified daily and becoming more like Christ Jesus. There's that kind of pattern. You know, you need to look out for that. Some kind of a pattern, evidence of such. They, they show that someone is not uh, living up to who they profess to be as a believer. There's repet re repetition of the sins. It's become habitual. There's no repentance. There's no sanctification. Such kind of sins, they warrant such discipline. And how do we know this? How do we know this? Um, Jonathan Lehman has written on this. Uh, such a brilliant work and... He says there are three things you need to look for. Um, the nature, the gravity, the nature of the sin. Three things to look out for. Uh, the sin that may warrant uh, church discipline. And all these three ought to be there. The sin ought to be outward. The sin ought to be outward. In other words, this is not just something you are suspecting. This is not just something that you are thinking in your heart or you are saying, you know, this person has in their hearts. Uh, it should be something that can be seen, something that can be heard, something that there is evidence for it. Like, for example, I saw you still, or I heard you say something malicious about the church, or you haven't been in fellowship for the last one year, and it shows you don't care at all. It needs to be something that is outward. And number two, it needs to be significant. The sin needs to be uh, significant. Oh, huge magnitude like you know when this happens the, the question will be how can someone call themselves a believer yet they are living this way yet they are doing such a kind of thing 
A good example would be what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. He says, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that even pagans do not tolerate. A man is sleeping with, with his father's wife and you are proud. Shouldn't you rather have gone into mourning and have put out of fellowship the man who has been doing this? Paul is wondering, how can such a person be even a believer? And how can you as a church even be fellowshipping with that? You, this is something you are tolerating. Even outsiders, those who are not believers, those who are pagans, cannot even tolerate such a thing. And yet here is someone who calls himself a believer and they're doing such a thing. This is just too significant. There's no way such a person should be in fellowship. Significant. And number three, non-repentant. Non-repentant. So if someone has been uh, confronted uh, with this by you know before, uh, someone has been told but doesn't want to change their ways, they continue in it. For such a person, then they, you know, um, church discipline formally, excommunication may need to be considered. You know, someone perhaps has been mal maligning a brother and they continue in that and they don't want to repent. These are the three things to look out for, you know, and all of them need to be there, not just one, not just two. And, and, and when this is happening, then there needs to be a step towards initiation of formal church discipline and we, we need to think about this because sometimes people have been uh, castigated people have been um, hurt when uh, the, the, the sins that have been brought before the church are things that could be done could have been done in you know in a formal way just a correction and not on the magnitude that they're supposed to be but on the other hand people have continued in very you know significant outward non-repentant sins and nothing has been done to them. And when we do this, we are not living up to, as we read that portion in 1 Timothy chapter 3. We are not conducting ourselves in the way we ought to. We need to think about this. As we are in our churches, let's think about this. Let's meditate on this. What, you know, are we, are we really a church as we think about church discipline in this way? Thank you so much for joining us. Until next time, God bless you. And let's continue to Tafakari. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Grispoint Church Podcast. For more information and past episodes, visit our website gracepointchurch.org. Please join us again tomorrow for a new episode. Goodbye.